Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, January 13th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers, a new guest here on ATS Radio, but a longtime listener dating back to when we were Bang the Book Radio. Great to have him on the show. We're going to talk some NFL playoffs for the divisional round take a look at some college basketball stuff as well, focusing pretty primarily on the Big Ten Conference. A lot of talking points coming out of that, especially from that big heavyweight matchup last night between Wisconsin and Michigan. So we'll get to that here at the tail end of today's show. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on right now for you to check out. Some excellent promotions this week from BetMGM Sportsbook, specifically in Iowa, where the in-person registration requirement is no longer a thing. As a result, BetMGM able to launch online and mobile betting in the state of Iowa. A good offer here for the two Iowa Hawkeyes games this week. Sign up as a new user over at BetMGM Sportsbook. Bet $1 on the money line of the game. And if Luca Garza scores a point, that's it, one point. Doesn't have to be exactly one point, just a point. At some point during their two games this week, Thursday night against Michigan State, Sunday against Northwestern, you'll win $100 in free bets over at BetMGM Sportsbook. Definitely should check that out. You can read about that over at ATS.io. And they're doing the Bet $1, Win $100 promotion for the NFL playoffs as well over at BetMGM Sportsbook this week. So two great offers from them. The second one for the NFL playoffs, not just the state of Iowa, all of the states, except for Nevada and Pennsylvania that are serviced by BetMGM Sportsbook. So you can read about that over at ATS.io, along with all of our other great content. The NHL season starts tonight. We got some coverage of that. College hoops and the NBA still moving forward. Previews for all four NFL division round games. I wrote up a preview for the Sony Open. Wrote up a preview just before the show here for this weekend's UFC event. Lots and lots of content over at the website. Make sure you check all of that out. And of course, too, as I talk about on every show here, download the ATS app, which you can get from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration from the website, helpful stats database. You can buy premium model subscriptions in that app, but it's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen. It is a really valuable handicapping tool for you. So download the ATS app from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Search against the spread. You'll probably have more success finding it that way. If you can't, Go to ATS.io on your mobile device, go to the ATS app page, and then click the button, whether you have an Android or an iOS device, and you'll go directly to download that right from the store. So great, great, helpful handicapping app for you, the ATS app. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers, a new guest here on ATS Radio. And Kiev, how's it going, man? Well, first of all, Adam, thank you so much for having me on this show. As you mentioned earlier, I have been a long time listener. I mean, since probably 2013, I I sometimes wonder if I was one of the first people to discover Bang the Book and listen to this podcast. So real honor for me here. I've been sports betting since 2003, learned a ton throughout the years. I was probably one of those people that were lucky the first couple of years and had a terrible, terrible next couple of years, but loved it and loved every aspect of it. Love the investment part of it. Love seeing people be successful. And that's how I started listening to great podcasts such as Bang the Book and now ATS.io. 
and it just motivated me to be a content provider such as yourself. So uh, thank you so much for bringing me on. I'm doing great, man, except for my Badgers. That last, last night was a, was a pretty bad loss for them. It wasn't pretty. And, um, you know, here's something that I, I wanted to talk about. I told you before we started recording here that I was going to put you on the spot a little bit because I have a lot of people that have been longtime listeners of the show, have consumed my written content. And a lot of times the primary question that I get is, you know, I want to do more in this business. I want to write about sports betting or, you know, I want to have a podcast of my own or something like that. Well, you've achieved both. You've got a successful site, theoddsbreakers.com, and you continue to grow that and do an exceptional job with that. And I'm happy to have been on your show a couple of times as well. But for the people out there that, you know, maybe do want to get a start in this and, and, you know, get some visibility, get some content out there to sort of walk us through a little bit, you know, maybe in a a cliff notes type of way, you know, how you got started with that, you know, how, what kind of time you put into that every week and just sort of, you know, what it all entails. Oh, for sure. I'd love to. I think that as long as you, you know, you you have to feel comfortable in what you're doing. Uh, That's, that's important. You have to, you know, know that you're going to be successful. If you think that you have any reservations, try to figure out that right away, right? You you want to get past that. Commitment's the number one thing. I've had so many fly-by-night people that act committed, but they never were in it for the long haul. I mean, this is something you have to eat, breathe, and sleep. It has to be your pure enjoyment, your actual pastime of doing. Because there's ups and downs, and there's days you don't feel like getting up to do it. So get past that hurdle first. Know that you're going to do it. Give yourself a couple years that you have to you know, put 100% every single day. That's the most important thing because everything else is just going to be a waste of time if you don't do that. You know, Number two, uh, you know, start developing a platform. Start learning from people. And you have to go to social media a lot these days to do it. Um, you know, before it was the newspaper, now it's Twitter. Start following people that you respect, follow people that you get information, try to push away all the distractions that you get on Twitter. There's just so much crap out there, you know, avoid that and just focus on sports. That's the important thing. Focus on sports because that's what people are going to come to you for. They don't care about your ideologies or your political views or anything like that. Just keep it to sports and uh, try to find and follow people that's going to give you the quickest information. Your John Rothsteins for college basketball, your Ian Rappaports for the NFL. There's been times that they would announce a quarterback being out and you can get to the book once in a while you're by your computer or your phone and make a play to fade that. And, uh, and if you're and then that line will move and you have some great line value, that's important. Number two is you want to start in, uh, to get a, a website out there. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of platforms that build websites for you. WordPress is a very common one. It's one that I used. You can buy some themes. You can just take some YouTube tutorials to learn how to do that. You don't have to know how to program in JavaScript or anything like that. You can literally build a nice website in a couple of days. Really, it's a starter. The website you see at the Oddsbreakers is not my first website for the Oddbreakers. My first website for the Oddbreakers was a lot more simple. It just took some years to kind of develop it and build it into what it was is today. So once you start doing that, you know, you start advertising it in the right groups. You start talking to people on Twitter. 
you start reaching out to people, start low, don't go right for the most popular people right away and uh, start developing a following. Eventually, if you keep working, you're going to get the right people to invest in your, their time into your services. And then the rest is all gravy. Yeah. And I think something that's really important there, you know, is, is cultivating a network. You know, I, I know that you and Kyle Hunter are, are very good friends, very close friends. I know he does, you know, some, uh, some podcasting and some video stuff for you every week. I know obviously you and I've gotten much closer over the last several months here. And you know, I know mm-hmm. you do a lot of stuff with the wager talk guys. They're good friends of mine as well. And, you know, especially Brian Leonard, who you just did a show with uh, that you posted here today. You know, he's a fellow Cleveland guy like me. I always catch up with him when I go out to Vegas. So I think that's important too, you know, having a network, people that you can bounce not only ideas off of, but, you know, just talk about in this setting. Because one of the things for me is that none of my friends around here, nobody I've grown up with around here knows a damn thing about sports betting. You know, (laughs) they'll ask me, you know, what a line is for a big game or, or something like that. But they don't know anything about how the markets work. They don't know anything about how the markets operate. Some of my friends, of course, I've gotten into, you know, really recreationally betting, you know, just very small amounts and all that, just because, you know, it it intrigued them, you know, it piqued their interest, but it's something where, you know, it's, it's going to get obviously a lot more mainstream than it is, you know, currently, and it's gotten a lot more mainstream over the last few years with legalization, but that's been a big thing for me is, you know, having a network, having people that can kind of show me how this business works, both on the content side and also the betting side. So that's something too, you know, I think something for the people that ask me, you know, the question of how to get started and all of that, don't be intimidated to reach out and talk to people in this business whose opinions you respect, because there is a lot of, for lack of a better term, giving back. You know, there's a lot of people that Mm -hmm. I respect greatly in this business that have taken the time to help show me the ropes. And so I pay that forward and try to do the same thing, you know, with listeners, with readers and the people that reach out, you know, privately to me, it, we're, it's one, you know, I don't want to say big, happy family, because most of the time it's not the happiest of families, but you know, all of us have the same goals in mind. And the nice thing is I've found that people are more willing than not willing, you know, to help you out and sort of guide you in the right direction. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. De- develop a camaraderie with them, you know, emphasize with them when they are happy about something big happening, you know, mention something that they did they like hearing that they like hearing what they did right and uh if something goes wrong you know emphasize with that you know talk to talk to them ask them questions about how they got to a certain line they love talking about i love talking about reach out to me at ob kiev or at the odds breakers i am so happy to talk to anybody this is one of my passions and uh you're gonna be you'll be pleasantly surprised that people are more than willing to uh talk back to you all right. So uh, again, you know, as Kev said, you can reach out to him. I know people will continue reaching out to me with, you know, some of their questions and all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really great to have Kiev on the show because, you know, I'm, and I'm not going to pat myself on the back or prop myself up here at all, but you know, this is an example of, of what can happen when, you know, you do cultivate that network. You do, you know, listen to and consume content from people that you respect and maybe I'm deserving of that respect. Maybe I'm not, but you know, it, it is nice to see things come full circle in some ways. And it, it's funny too, because, you know, my Tuesday guest, Brian Blessing, who I just had on yesterday's show, I've told this story before that, you know, when I was in high school, Brian was doing the pre and post game shows for the Buffalo Sabres 
on uh, the Empire Sports Network on Adelphia Cable. And that's what we had growing up. So that's a guy that, you know, I'll go ahead and date myself here. That You know, 20 years ago, I was watching on TV. And now he's on my show. And I did his show yesterday on Sports Grid Radio. You know, it's just, it's funny the way that things work out like that. And, you know, it's sort of maybe to some degree that six degrees of separation thing here in this business. But, you know, it's awesome to have Kiev on the show. It's awesome to see what he's been able to do and accomplish. And I certainly expect great things coming for you in the future too, man. Yeah, thank you. And your guests are amazing. Very hard to live up to, and I'm going to do my best. But I'll tell you, uh, there isn't anybody probably in this business of podcasting that I've learned more from than Adam here. So uh, from a sports betting and podcasting, being the book was a part of my life. ATS.io is now a part of my life, and, uh, and, and I'm excited for the things to come. All right, so with that, we take a look here at the NFL playoffs and see if we could share some good information with each other and with the listeners here. And interestingly enough, Kiev, there's just there's been a little bit of pressure kind of leaning and leaning and leaning on this Rams and Packers line for the opening game on Saturday. And now we're pretty much up to seven across most of the market. Now, of course, it's seven at plus money or seven at reduced juice, something like that. So it's not a flat seven, but... There's been enough activity on Green Bay minus six and a half to bring a lot of those sevens back. Total 45 and a half for this one. Kev, uh, walk us through your thoughts on this Rams-Packers game. For sure. I think this game is so intriguing to me because it is your classic teacher versus student situation. Uh, if you've done your research on Matt LaFleur, He was the offensive coordinator three years ago at the Rams and him and uh, McVay kind of became buddies. He learned from McVay, but not even that before that LaFleur was in Atlanta where he was the quarterback coach under offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan. So he's got his knowledge. I mean, Matt LaFleur was a home run hire for the green Bay Packers. He's got some Kyle Shanahan and some McVeigh in them. And that's why you see them so successful. <laughs> I mean, it's, and that's, that's the coolest thing about this matchup is these two coaches, the teacher versus student to me. And uh, I haven't heard that many people talking about that. He uh, then went to Tennessee and turned that offensive round and the Packers scooped him right up. You know, this, this team, as, as far as the Rams, you, everyone knows their weakness. It's, it's, it's the quarterback. He's banged up. If McVeigh's misdirections plays do not work, then the game has to be in Goff's hands. And if you watch the Rams this year, that's how they get their yards is tricking their opponents. I mean, McVeigh is a master at that. The problem is that he's going against a guy in LeFleur that probably knows some of this stuff. McVeigh's going to have to get extra creative, but I have faith in him to do that. Uh, Green Bay, on the other hand, their weakness is stopping the run. And you saw that last year against San Francisco. And when they got jumped, they got jumped hard, allowing 4.5 rushing yards per attempt this year. Now, the good news is that they haven't had to worry about that so much because they're always leading at halftime. I mean, that's how good of a coach LaFleur is, how great of a quarterback Aaron Rodgers is, how good the Packers are. It put teams on their heels. They had to throw the ball. And if that happens to golf, I'm not, I'm not loving it. I, I do think that McVeigh is sharp enough to keep this game a little bit closer though. Um, in my opinion, 
If you look at the stats, both of these teams have plus 0.7 net yards per play. I don't see a huge advantage there, but I will mention that on Sagarin, the Rams schedule ranks ninth and the Packers ranks 31st. I think you can see why. Look at the NFC West compared to the NFC North. The Packers got the Bears twice. They're frauds. They got the Lions twice and the terrible defense of the Vikings twice. And they actually dropped one to the Vikings. So you have to factor that in a little bit. Um, as far as a power rating, and I do NFL power ratings, I do college more, I would say. I focus on college more, but in the NFL, I have it about a two-point difference on a neutral because I give a lot of respect to the Rams. I give a lot of respect to McVay, and I like what Goff did when he came in for Wolford last week. You know, So uh, they have some great receivers with Woods. I think Cup's going to play. That's what it's sounding like. Aaron Donald says he's going to play. I'm not too worried about the injuries. They did get banged up last game. But there's going to be um, a big matchup to watch, obviously. And that's uh, uh, Adams versus their uh, stud cornerback there. Uh, the name's forgetting right now. But uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> that's going to be fun. And uh, I think that this is more of a 4.5-point spread, in my opinion. I, I did take it at 7, Adam. And if you ask me at six and a half, I suppose I would take it at six and a half too, because I'm still past that threshold. Uh, 4.5 on my power rating is fair for teams in the divisional playoffs. I think all these teams are pretty good. I do have an algorithm that I ran it through and I use that uh, in some situations. I have the Packers winning this game 26 to 22 and a half. I think the spread should be, like I said, three and a half, four and a half, something like that. Um, I am concerned though, if the Packers do jump the Rams, if the Rams could, uh, stay in the game with Jared Goff, it's going to take a lot. It's hard to do in Lambeau field. Lambeau is a great place, a great home field advantage, but, um, I think the Packers will win this game. I think they are a teaser candidate, but I also will take the Rams at the plus seven. Yeah, I've certainly seen some teaser stuff. You know, I've seen some people teasing this with Baltimore up. I've seen some people teasing this with, you know, Kansas City down. Uh, you know, there are definitely a lot of different ways to attack this. And to sort of unpack everything that you mentioned there, you know, a few different things. I didn't even think about that angle of, you know, not only teacher versus student, but the familiarity between the two guys. And maybe that's kind of a contributing factor to this total going down a little bit. You know, I know that we know that the Rams defense is very, very strong. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, the name that was escaping. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know why I keep forgetting his name. (laughs) And you've you've got the cold weather here at Lambeau Field. Certainly some worries with golf and that. But, you know, a lot of of narrative-based stuff, I think, kind of going into the handicap of this total that I do think it's very hard to play the over in this game. And if the Rams are forced to become one-dimensional in the second half, if Green Bay wins the first half, as they often do, then, you know, you don't expect the Rams to do a whole lot offensively in this game, which, you know, does also lend some credence to the under. That being said, you said 26 to 22 and a half, and I'm not a smart math guy, but that's 48 and a half total points based on the algorithm and the model that you have. So is there a case for the over or do you still feel like, you know, the under is probably the way to go? No, I don't think there's a case for the over. And it's just because you're in Lambeau Field, it's going to be cold. It's the playoffs. There's a little bit more jitters. It's, it's, you know, it's not that far 
I mean, it, from the 46, it's not that far. I guess you're getting to 45. If this thing get, gets down to 44, I would probably want to play the over, but there's still a chance that uh, golf's not going to be able to put up that many points at all. I mean, the Packers defense isn't that bad. I mean, yes, their weakness is against the run, but if golf is on his heels, they're not running the ball. I mean, the, this could be a 23 to 13 game. If, if golf can't score, if they cannot get in the end zone, you saw what the Packers did to Tennessee out there. You know, I mean, Tennessee's a good offensive team and uh, they got shut down. So uh, I, I'm not going to bet the over on this unless it gets unless it gets down to 44 personally. Speaking of Tennessee getting shut down, the team that did that, the Buffalo or the, uh, excuse me, Baltimore Ravens, who won as a three and a half point dog over Tennessee to advance and now take on another very good offense in the Buffalo Bills. Bills minus two and a half here at home will be a reduced crowd at New Era Field. Probably go with 6,700 or so again for this one. But Buffalo here, two and a half, and the total mostly 50. You can find a stray 50 and a half out there, Kiev. What do you think about this matchup here where I think this is the game of the weekend? Oh, God, this is a good game. (laughs) I mean, Baltimore, they've been hot. They've been hot coming into the playoffs, right? But so is Buffalo. So that's what I love this about this matchup. And uh, it's not the highest total, but the total's up there. You have a rushing team pretty much here uh, with Baltimore. Best at running the ball in the whole league because Lamar runs the ball so well against a very good passing team in Buffalo. Um, I didn't like the coaching last week for Buffalo. I, I, I thought that they did get a little lucky stopping the Colts on that fourth down in the first half. And that got them back in the game and they got to the lead, but McDermott almost screwed it up. He kept throwing the ball with Josh Allen and that fumble that went back 30 yards or so that could have changed the game if Indianapolis had it. Obviously, you had a terrible official call, not call that fumble, even after seeing a blatant, obvious replay. I, I still don't understand why they do that. But um, at the same time, if <laughs> I'll tell you this, if Buffalo lost that game because of that, there would be hell to pay, especially with what happened to the Saints a few years back. But um, I think McDermott is a very, very good coach. And He's going to, he got past this, this hiccup here. He got past the Buffalo got the jitters out. Buffalo's ready to roll here. Now the Ravens, they have a little chip on their shoulder because well, last year they thought they were the best team and then they got beat by Tennessee. And I gave Rabel a ton of credit when they played Tennessee this year and last year, how they contained Lamar Jackson, made him throw to the outside. They took away the middle of the field and what the heck happened last game? Because not only were you terrible on offense, you know, throwing the ball on third and two in the fourth quarter a couple times, you know, they also blew it on defense because Lamar had 130 some rushing yards. You know, they, they didn't contain him. They let the defensive end go either way around, which Lamar would take out or completely stunt inside where once again, Lamar could take off. I mean, that's exactly what I saw in this game. If you look at this, these quarterbacks, they, I try to look at what they did against running quarterbacks too, because um, as you know, uh, Lamar runs the ball extremely well. And you also know that Allen runs the ball pretty well as well. Uh, well, they both lost against Patrick Mahomes. 
So I mean, we'll throw that one out, right? Well, Kyler Murray played pretty well against Buffalo and um, the Hale Murray obviously happened and uh, the Rams kind of lucked out a little bit there to win that game. I'm sorry, not the Rams, the, the Cardinals. And uh, they were able to shut down Cam Newton. Um, so, you know, the way I look at it is, yeah, they, they might have a little trouble against Lamar. Well, the Ravens also lost against Patrick Mahomes. Well, Cam Newton beat the Ravens as well. So uh, the Ravens did exactly do great against a rushing quarterback. Bill's strength is definitely the pass. Third in the league, 290 passing yards per game. The Ravens are pretty good on defense against both. Buffalo is weak and defense against the run. So that worries you, right? But if the coaching comes in, what you do is play the run. You don't even really play the pass, maybe a little bit. You don't let Lamar get out. You just don't let him cross the line of scrimmage. Maybe maybe you take your defensive end and just have him bull rush and then just kind of see what Lamar does. And if he's holding the ball too long, then you have to make a move. But at the same time, you know, you take away the middle of the field, just like Tennessee did before, didn't do last game as much and make Lamar throw the ball. Now, if Lamar beats you that way, you got to tip your cap, but you're not going to beat the Ravens. If you let him run all over you, that's important. Both teams are positive 0.4 yards per play. That's pretty equal. To be honest with you, I have the, this spread exactly at minus 2.75. I have that on my algorithm, 28.5 to 26. And when I say algorithm, it's just a cute way to say function. Algorithm means it changes because the stats you put in that changes. So I just put in this, I plug in statistics and efficiency statistics, and I come up with the final score. It's just a cute way to say function. But I have it 28.5 to 26. So I still think Buffalo wins. But if you do like the Buffalo side, the key number there is three. So maybe you're going to take Buffalo because it's below the key number home field or not. You know, you don't give teams three points for home field this year, maybe, or maybe not, but the key number still sits at three and that's where teams try to get to, right? If you're down by 11, you go for two after you get a touchdown. So um, I'm kind of liking, uh, I'm kind of leaning that side, but I think the over is a better play. You look at last week, Baltimore versus Tennessee over was 54 and a half. The Indianapolis Buffalo over was about 51, 51 and a half, depending on what you got. I pushed on that Indianapolis Buffalo over, but it could have went over many times in that game. The fourth downs inside the five yard line, Indianapolis went for it. It could have got field goals. I think they missed a field goal too. I have to think back. But um, also that fourth quarter, that thing was stuck at 51 for about eight minutes and ended up at 51. So um, it, with those two totals before um, I definitely see Buffalo scoring points. And I think the Ravens are definitely going to get some, whether it be at the end or at the beginning of this game, I think the best play is over 50 and I'm going to probably give two or three stars on that one. What are your thoughts, Adam? Yeah. You know, this is one where, and, and Brian blessing made an excellent point about this on yesterday's show that, you know, the bills still managed to score 27 points, made some good second half adjustments offensively. And they had one drive that started outside of their own 25 yard line. So they had to drive the length of the field pretty much that entire game. And they did have some success doing it. And, you know, to me, when I sort of look at this game, I think you can kind of look at a correlation here. If Baltimore wins this game, you're probably looking at an under. If Buffalo wins this game, you're probably looking at an over just simply mm -hmm. based on, you know, the way that the two teams want to go about their business here in this one. I think the big thing for Buffalo is that, you know, when you look at Tennessee, 
there's not a single level of that defense that really stands out. The defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, none of it really stands out. It's kind of a below average unit overall to an outright bad unit overall, depending on the game, depending on the matchup. For Buffalo, I like Edmonds. I love Milano. I think their second level defenders are very, very good. And that's what you need if you want to stop Baltimore. Your front seven has to be good because you can afford to play single coverage force Lamar to beat you as you talked about already but the front seven's got to be good they can't miss tackles in the running game they've got to be able to contain Lamar as much as they possibly can and I think Buffalo is better positioned to do that than Tennessee so I do like the Bills here in this game I like what you said about McDermott too you know I talked about this a little bit from a situational standpoint all the pressures on Buffalo last week because they'd gone 26 years without a playoff win you know, they had to win a playoff game, and they did. So now, you know, some of that pressure is off. Some of that pressure on McDermott is off. And I think that's something that does help Buffalo here because when you look at this offense, this is a team you want to play free and easy. This is a team you want to be able to go out there and outscore the opposition if they need to. I think the Bills are definitely better positioned here this week. So I do like them uh, minus the two and a half. And for what it's worth, I don't think I would – factor teasing Baltimore to eight and a half in here either because like you I think this could be a higher scoring game that increases the level of variance that sort of takes away from the value of teasing Baltimore up from two and a half to eight and a half so do like Buffalo in this game and we'll see uh you know what Brad Powers' thoughts are on tomorrow's show about that one moving on to Sunday here I want to try to make sure we got some time to talk some college basketball on today's program here with Kev O'Neill from the odds breakers but Cleveland and Kansas City here. 10 is the number. 57 is the total. This total is going up. There's even a 57 and a half out there in the global markets. I mentioned this on yesterday's show. Only 11 other games since 2002 in the NFL playoffs with a total of 55 or higher. So we're getting into some pretty historic areas here with this total. But, I mean, I I couldn't bet it under here. <laughs> oh, God. Well, not after they went to 85 points last week, right? I mean, I, I know some people that were on the under last week in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh, and uh, I mean, that thing was over almost in the first quarter. <laughs> I could not believe the way Cleveland scored, and I definitely thought about you guys, Adam. I was pretty happy for you. Uh, Cleveland went in a playoff game, especially uh, at Pittsburgh. It's such a such a great thing for that city, and well, what I have to wonder if there's – I know this is the playoffs and you're not supposed to let down, but is there a letdown factor for that? You know, I don't know. Probably not since it's such a, a big playoff game, but they are going to Kansas city here and Kansas city has just been kind of a sleeping giant the whole year. They let teams back in and then they toy with them and then they decide to just beat them up at the end. I don't know why they do that. They do it almost on purpose or if just that they are really that, slow and rusty in the beginning and just kind of get warmed up maybe 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 it just takes them a long time to warm up I don't know but Kansas City hasn't been a great ATS team over the last you know mostly the whole year really but definitely the last eight weeks or so so um I mean the Browns they let the Steelers back into that game kind of in the third quarter and I was starting to get a little bit concerned there. And I bet you as a Browns fan, Adam, you couldn't have been that comfortable <laughs> until the very last. No, uh, I'm, I'm never comfortable. It, it doesn't matter what the score is uh, until that clock reads four zeros. I'm, I am never comfortable. And, and last week was an example of that too, you know, and, and I give them a lot of credit and this is something where it's very evident how much the Browns have grown up. There was no panic 
I mean, no panic whatsoever. In fact, the game kind of tightened up a little bit and Alex Van Pelt got even more aggressive than he had been prior to that. You know, they went into prevent way too early. I thought that was a major mistake from defensive coordinator Joe Woods in that game. But offensively, they kept pushing. And it's something that I think matters here in this game, too, with Stefanski back, is that they are fully aware that their defense blows, that their offense is really good. So they, they're going to keep coming on offense in this game. And, you know, I think that, that really has a significant you know, it's a significant factor in the handicap, not only of the total, which again, we've already seen go up, but also in the side that, you know, this is a Cleveland team that I think will keep scoring. It's just a matter of, you know, how many Kansas city gets. I mean, this totals just for a playoff game itself is it's amazing looking at it because in the NFL, we're not used to this type of thing, but maybe the over is the right look. I don't know. Um, If you really think Cleveland's going to score, I'm curious what that, Kansas city defense really has when a game is on the line for their future. You know, I, I, I want to see it. The Browns were out gained last week and I know it's because they were playing prevent the whole second half, but still got out gained 163 yards or so. They should have won this game by more than 11 points. Kansas city is going to score probably 35 plus. Right. I mean, you have to think that um, can, uh, can Cleveland score over 24? I, I think they can too. Uh, what's the what's the denomination though i i don't know i think that uh 32 to 32.5 to 24.5 is kind of where i came up with and my power ratings have the spread at 9.75 the algorithm like i said says it at eight so i have the total at 57 so i'm not that far off i just i I can't get on the side here i i i I can see the back door happening. I mean, when you're looking at double digits, you're not going to be profitable in the long run. If you keep betting double digit favorites, I know this year might've been a little bit of an anomaly for that, but you know, I just got to go by the old principles here. I'm probably just going to sit back and enjoy this one and just hope for a, for a high flying game, Adam. I, I, I wish I had something more for you. No, it's all good. I, I think, you know, something that I will be looking to do here with this game, especially now that this total is, is kind of moving up and sort of getting out of range for a lot of people I hope it's a slow start and then I can come in with a live over on this game because I do think that maybe Kansas city comes out slow as they did, you know, in the divisional round last year, as we talked about on yesterday's show where they were down 21, nothing to to Houston or 20 to nothing, whatever it was. And then of course, you know, they scored 51 points anyway. So maybe you get a slow start from Kansas city. Maybe you get a slow start from a Cleveland team that's tighter than expected. So I think there you kind of look for a low over from a live standpoint, but mm-hmm. pre-flop, I, I do think it's kind of tough to play things here. Maybe Brown's first half, thinking Kansas City is a little bit rusty off the bye, a little bit slow. Uh, you could talk me into Cleveland plus 10. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I think that there's a chance 10 and a half comes back, so maybe I'll kind of wait on that. Uh, but, yeah, I think pre-flop, it's, it's kind of a tough game to play. What about the last one here on Sunday? Tampa Bay and New Orleans, 3 and 52. The numbers here, pretty standard issue for the current era of the NFL with that Total in the low 50s, the three slapped on New Orleans. And as you said, three is not home field advantage this season. New Orleans is probably minus two, minus one and a half on a neutral here. Something like that. Keep in mind, this did open three and a half at some places. Saints won the first two games. Really looked very good winning the first two games, especially that second one. Do you think things turn here for the Buccaneers in the third matchup? No, I don't. I don't think it does. 
Um, and real quick, I do want to mention that you did talk about um, teasing. I have no teasers this week, and this is the first week in the NFL that I don't have a teaser. There's no numbers worth doing it. I like going past three key numbers when I do it for the most part, um, and there's nothing there, so I'm not going to play it. But teasers have been very profitable. Uh, we were just just in the free ones we gave out. We were 11 and six uh, just during the week. We also hit the playoff teaser last week, but this week I'm not playing a teaser. And I think there's just a ton of different outcomes that can happen in these games, Adam. So I just wanted to quit mention that. But um, looking at this, a lot of people say third time's the charm. No, not in this situation. Tampa Bay's been hot the last five weeks. And I'll tell you this, places like DVOA, you know, the football outsiders love Tampa Bay. And it, but it all derives on that one big win that they got. And that was against the Green Bay Packers at home. And Green Bay fell flat on their face. You see that happen. It happens in sports. But what I look at, that's the only time the Bucks beat a plus 500 team all year. It was that one game because they have losses against the Rams. They have losses to the Saints twice. They have losses against Kansas City, and they also lost against the 8-8 eight and eight Chicago Bears. Now, obviously, we look at a lot more than just Ws and Ls, but um, when Tampa lost Vitavea, I thought that was crushing to them, and they've still been good against the run. Their last five weeks, like I said, they've been scoring well, but that was against the Vikings, the Lions, the Washington football team, and the Atlanta Falcons twice. Some of the worst defenses in the NFL. You know, I, I, I love Brady, but this is a situation where I think Breeze is going to be extremely motivated. I can't really run an algorithm on this or function because – I drew Brees has been out a few games. I'd have to somehow minus those games out. It's just not worth doing it. When, when there's a big guy, like a quarterback or a cluster injury of linebackers or something like that, I tend to shade away from running perfect numbers. So I go back to my power ratings. My power ranks has the saints 1.25 points better on a neutral, but you know, this is the dome in new Orleans and new Orleans beat this team by double digits the last two games. New Orleans still feels that loss that they had last year against, uh, against the Vikings. I think that they're going to put their foot down and they're going to get to Brady and they're going to cover the spread. I personally like uh, the Saints minus three and I'm going to put a few stars on that one. You know, I look at the total for this game and, and I think it's just kind of sitting there waiting in the weeds for some influential money to come in on the under. You know, I know this one's got bumped up a little bit from 51 to 52. Limits do get to a greater point of significance on Thursday. My guess from, you know, kind of reading the market here, sort of reading the tea leaves, is that with the increased limits, this total comes down. And I do agree with that, you know, because I think when you look at this game, you've got a Buccaneers team that's had great offensive success the last few weeks because they've moved it on teams that don't provide much resistance. They're not taking those deep, 20, 25, 30 yard shots with Brady anymore. They're throwing underneath and doing what every efficient offense in the NFL, for the most part, is able to do. It's much harder to do that against the Saints, against this Saints secondary. And I don't think New Orleans is going to have a big offensive performance either. Drew Brees, you know, this is his swan song, so he says, but, you know, he's not a downfield threat anymore either. So 
I look at this game. I expect the under to take some money here. Now that it's painted 52 across the board, I think this is a good buy point. I don't think it gets any higher than this. Maybe you catch a rogue 52 and a half, something like that, if the sharp money waits until game day. But I think the under is the way to look here in this one, Kev. Well, I and I and I have it at about 50. You know, I, I, that's kind of what I was uh, when, when I did put my numbers together and I did with Taysom Hill, which I throw out the side for that. But I, I, I had it about 50, so I can definitely see a, a lean to the under. All right, so let's transition over to the college hoops side for a few minutes here. I want to make sure that we talked about that, much to your chagrin because you're a Wisconsin Badgers fan and (laughs) not a good performance from them last night. They lose by 23 in that massive spotlight game against the Michigan Wolverines. And look, Michigan's a basketball school now, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there on today's show. But that was a spread that was only three, and Michigan – led by 17 at the break, led by, what, 35 at some points throughout that game, went on a big run. But you mentioned a really astute observation about Wisconsin from last night that you think, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but maybe could lead to some betting value on the Badgers going forward here. Well, what what I did mention is that Rutgers – the Rutgers game is coming up. Is it Thursday or Friday? I think Friday. it's on Friday. Friday, right? Okay. So what I noticed is the Badgers played very soft. Sometimes when teams come in after a team that they're, maybe they're, they had a game that there was a lot of whistles, you know, they kind of expect that. So they don't play as tough defense. They're not in your face. Well, Wisconsin kind of did that and Michigan didn't. But who, who? it's hard to predict these Big Ten officials at times, as we all know, they swallowed their whistles this game. You know, sometimes there's blowing them three times a minute. This time they swallowed them and let them play. Michigan had the adjustment. Wisconsin didn't. They couldn't get a shot off. I mean, you, you, they're in their fa- – I don't even know how they could see the rim when they were shooting. I mean, it, they couldn't get any separation there. They are embarrassed. They went over six minutes without scoring a point in that. At the second half, they kind of figured things out and got it I wouldn't even say respectable, but they lost by 23 instead of 40. So <laughs> there's that. But um, this, these are things, these happen every day. They, these situations happen every day to the, some of the best teams. And that's why you see some huge upsets in basketball. They just couldn't get their shot down. Well, I think they're going to play a little bit tougher when they get to Rutgers. Now, am I going to blindly bet it without seeing a spread? Probably not because um, well, I never do, obviously, but if I guess the spread at two, which I think is what Ken Palm has, I'm not going to be betting that because I need to wait and see a little bit more about Rutgers. They they have some trouble down under. Omi Yuri's been out for the last month or so. I have no idea when he's coming back, and he keeps being listed as questionable. You know how college basketball is. They don't have to divulge so much information. Hell, the guy could be out for the season for all I know. But um, they're a little bit, they're a little bit hurting down low, you know. They uh, and the Badgers have a few big guys there, like Ravers, you know, like Hap, or uh, sorry, Ethan Hap, and Michael Potter, right? So Aleem Ford's big; he's six eight, right? So uh, you know they might be able to dominate Rutgers a little bit if it all has to rely on Miles Johnson. You know, he's the tallest guy in the team. The next guy, Caleb McConnell's six seven. I don't even think he's really six seven. Mags hurt too at six seven, so the Badgers have an advantage down low there. Now, if Omer Yuri plays, 
that's a, that could be a game changer. But Rutgers, they started out very hot, and I was on Rutgers. I'll be, I'll admit, I, that was the only team I took as a future, a small bet at thirty-three to one to win the Big Ten regular season. Well, that it, they had some injuries. Harper missed out a little bit. Um, I believe uh, Geo Baker missed out a few games. Well, that kind of went south right now. But Rutgers lost three games in a row, so they're they're itching for a win themselves. So nothing I want to dive into yet. It'd be great to get a report on Omer Yuri, and I'll know a little bit more about this game. But right now, if he's not playing, I would lean Wisconsin minus two points um, in this game, Adam. You know, as I look at this one, and, and this is why box score study is so important, and I know you write about misleading scores, misleading box scores, and you know all that good stuff over at the Odds Breakers, but a couple of things here. First, last night's game for Wisconsin, the first time they were held under a point per possession all season long. They had .832 points per possession in that game. So an outlier relative to their season. Secondly, they had 28 three-point attempts in that game last night, the most they've had in any game so far this season. Now, part of that, of course, because they were trailing so bad. The other part of it, exactly what you said, Michigan really locked down defensively. They weren't finding open looks. They started kind of forcing those threes. But it was a 43% three-point rate for them in terms of number of three-point attempts versus number of overall field goal attempts. They're at 37.2% for the season. So it took them out of what they wanted to do offensively. They didn't get to the line. That's only the second game this season where they haven't gotten to the line a whole lot. So when I look at Wisconsin here, I look at a team that had a lot of outliers in this box score. So it would point me towards leaning on the Wisconsin side here, minus two, minus three, wherever this number comes out on Friday. Maybe it comes out a little bit cheaper off of that loss. On the other side, though, Kiev, I want to ask you about the Michigan side because Michigan wins this big, you know, effectively top 10 battle against Wisconsin here, you know, top five battle almost by 23 points. The game prior to that, they beat Minnesota at home by 25. Now they play Minnesota on the road on Saturday. So a team they just absolutely obliterated, they play really well against Wisconsin. Is there any chance you could fade Michigan here at Minnesota on Saturday? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a chance I could fade them because Minnesota is a, one of the biggest road home split teams that I can remember. I think there's something like eight, 16 and one. I I did throw the stat out on Sunday um, on uh, ATS on the road, but they are just so much better at home ATS. So um, it, it's night and day with them, Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know what it is, but they play way better. Both Gat, both Gatch is a, is a very good player on that team. Marcus Carr is just doing <clears throat> fantastic job over at Minnesota. Michigan had a huge win here. This, this spot smells let down. They're going to go to Minnesota thinking that they're going to take care of it. Minnesota's embarrassed. They're pissed off. They're going to show up today uh, or on uh, Saturday, I believe that game is. And, you know, Ken Palm's calling for a four-point spread. I'm probably going to sit there and wait. Everyone's going to be thinking about what Michigan did to Wisconsin. I'm hoping to get a six. I mean, God, if I can be fortunate enough to get a seven, I have seen some lines uh, really come off the Ken Palm and Torvik numbers. Uh, That would be fantastic. So I'm not going to rush into this one. I'm going to sit there and wait, and I'm probably going to be a player on – on Minnesota, not, but I, what I will say about Michigan 
as I do think that Michigan uh, is the second best team in the Big Ten. Second best team in the Big Ten? Really? Yes. Yes. Who's the best team? Illinois. Okay. Interesting. Illinois, Illinois has some losses, but they have the most upside, in my opinion. I know Illinois, uh, you know, they screwed up against Rutgers, and Rutgers scored 91 that game. And that's when Rutgers was hot. That Missouri game that they lost, I watched that game. They couldn't buy a foul from those officials. And then they played, of course, the number two team in the nation, Baylor, which I think might be the number one team. They lost against Maryland, and I was on Maryland. They kind of choked. But I think I think that Illinois has the most upside. Who, who do you think are your top two, uh, top two Big Ten? I mean, I, I think you could make a case that Michigan's the second best team in the country. You know, I, I think that that the Wolverines, the way that they're playing, the way they're developing, you know, under a guy who was thought to not be a very good hire uh, in Juwan Howard. I mean, you know, that that's a program that's really got some steam going. They've got an excellent recruiting class coming in for next year. I just think that the health of that program in general is just so strong right now that I think they'll continue to be on this war path. I do agree with you that Illinois has a lot of upside here. But before I let you go, Kiev, I want to ask you about one other team. And this is one that you did win a bet on over the weekend, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They were victorious and covered over Minnesota over the weekend. Iowa hosts Michigan State here on Thursday night. Bart Torvik's got this line around Iowa minus 11. What do you think about that one? And what do you sort of think about Iowa in general? Well, Iowa is a fun team because they score, score, score. I mean, I, I, I am so amazed to see on Ken Palm being them in the 120s in offensive efficiency. You know, not, not too often where you see that. I think maybe Duke a couple years back was at that level. But it's just amazing to me. I, if they just had a little bit better of a defense, they could have kept with Gonzaga that game. You know, but that's their problem. You know, they play fast and if they're not hitting and they're not getting, you know, they're not getting down low and and they have some big guys stopping them playing a nice pack line type defense, they could, they could screw up. They can drop a game. You know, I do like Iowa. I think they have a lot of upside, but I also think they have some downside with that defense. You know, I was a team that I love betting on fast paced teams or fading them because Fast-paced teams, if you see a spread like six, six and a half, seven, it usually means that they're going to have some extra possessions and will probably win by more like nine or ten. A lot of people don't factor that in. You know, I factor that in. And that's when you – and on the opposite side of it, like Nebraska, they play fast and absolutely suck, so you want to fade them when they're a six-point dog because they're going to lose by ten. They're, they're going to give the other team extra possessions to score. You know, it's kind of that situation. But at the same time, um, Iowa's my third best team in the Big Ten. I think they're probably top six uh, in the nation. I think at Michigan, I have it probably number four, Illinois three, Baylor two, and Gonzaga one. So uh, Iowa, they're a the huge game against Michigan State here. Ken Palm's got it a 10-point favorite, right? So uh, I look at Torvik because he's got it about 10 and a half. I think the spread's going to be hanging around there. I think you're going to see some Michigan State money, but at the same time, Michigan State – they're not that much better than Minnesota this year. I, I, in my opinion, they're not. Their biggest win was against Duke, and we found out what Duke was. And I was on Virginia Tech last night because I think some of the weaknesses of Ken Palm is that people keep going by the numbers, even though Ken Palm was wrong at the beginning of the season. You know, how many people lost on Drake this year? Drake being 11 and 0, Ken Palm had the wrong number on them 11 times. I think that's important to look at. 
their biggest win was Duke and Rutgers. And you know what Rutgers has been doing lately? Rutgers scored 45 points that game. They lost to Purdue. Michigan State, not good right now, but Michigan State will get better because Tom Izzo is that good of a coach. They will get better. And when do they push that button? Well, I'll tell you right now, Tom Izzo is telling these kids, this game is going to send you over. You need this game against Iowa. I could see Michigan State playing out of their minds here. But Michigan State plays a fast pace, Adam. And what's going to happen is you're going to see this total come out and open around Ken Palm, 160, and you're going to see it bet down because that's what people are doing with Big Ten Conference games. And they're right most of the time. It's going to get bet down to 157, 156. I'm going to watch that go down as far as possible because my numbers on this game is about 162. I, I would take the over at 156 here. I have this game... 86 to 76 from a pure number standpoint, but I have to leave Michigan state because it's do or die for Michigan state in their minds, the way Izzo's going to coach them. We'll be able to talk a lot more college basketball on next week's show with only two NFL games to discuss in the championship round. We'll be able to talk a little bit more about conference specialization, some of the value behind that because Kiev uh, certainly applies that concept uh, to his college basketball handicapping, but First and foremost, man, I think you did a great job here for your first segment on ATS Radio, and you also do a phenomenal job over at the Odds Breakers. So tell our listeners, you know, what they'll find over there, how to get there, and how to find you on social media. Yeah, guys, check us out at the Odds Breakers on Twitter. You can, uh, we usually share all of our podcasts. We share our free plays. We give out free plays a lot at the Odds Breakers. We have some contributors that come in and give out some free plays once in a while as well. It's mostly me, but we have some other people that come on. We also uh, have a free subscriber area. So if you don't want to be a paid member, which just means that you like us, listen to the podcast for a while, take some of the free plays. And later in life, if you decide that we made you some money and you want to support us and become a member, then what you get is my, uh, the bets that I make my premium plays. So, um, you know, check it out, be a free subscriber and uh, try to learn as much information. I'm always learning every single day. And, uh, you know, we just want to do one thing and that's beat the books at the end of the day. Well, absolutely great, man. I love the work that you do over there. I enjoyed being on your show. I enjoy the guests that you have on the program as well. Great stuff here with Kiev O'Neill from the odds breakers at the odds breakers on Twitter and the oddsbreakers.com. Kev, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, we'll do it all again next week. Oh, it was an honor, Adam. Have a great rest of your week. There you go, folks. There's Kiev O'Neill again at the Oddsbreakers on Twitter. The Oddsbreakers.com is the website there for that. Coming up on our Thursday edition of ATS Radio, we'll chat with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. We'll go in-depth on the four NFL playoff games, put a bow on the college football season, and maybe see where he's at with his college basketball stuff. Special guests coming your way on Friday. Still narrowing down a time for that. Make sure that we're still going to be doing that but I'll have that final update for you on the Thursday program. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.